everybody. You're listening to episode 15 of Our Minute Man Moment. Today, we're going to be talking about leadership and the full range of potential that you could have as a leader. Today, I have with me Chief Monk, Chief Hunter, and Chief Loftus. Welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Good, good, good. Okay, so you guys have been in for a, a long enough time to know that leadership is key to developing airmen, developing yourself even. Um, you know, where do you start in leadership? And, you know, how do you know you're doing the best thing that you're doing for your troops and giving them information and, and developing them as leaders in the future? I think leading by example, uh, when you have those individuals that can come directly to you and take what you've given them and apply that toward uh, whatever obstacle they might be facing, um, being able to, for me, walk around the campus and have people freely come up and, and want to talk to you, that lets me know that my leadership style or what I'm presenting um, is displayed, is, is kind of well-respected. So that's what, how I feel about the leadership role. The age-old saying of being a good follower uh, helps you be a good leader. So understanding uh, some of the principles of which are uh, being a good follower, understanding like what the messaging is, and then trying to display that messaging. I know we're kind of the intermediary between the commanders and the airmen. And it's good for us to be able to be um, a good example of what um, the commanders are wanting to display and then something that the airmen are, are looking to achieve. So it's really just being uh, transparent as much as possible, communicating with them, and then really showing how much you really care about those individuals. And they're really more of a magnet for uh, good leaders, and you'll see that. Yeah, and I'd like to say that the, uh, the Air Force does a good job with our education, you know, our PME. Um, that's where we get a lot of leadership insight um, and um, educating our airmen to where they can uh, learn that stuff and then go out and execute it. And then uh, us as chiefs, we're literally role models. I mean, um, we should be modeling um, what our airmen need to see from us so that they can emulate that. Yeah, I think it's all it's all about educating one another, and, uh, and that's what we should do. Practice what you preach. Exactly. Well, that brings us into our next like segue into um, the differences between directive and participative leadership. So, I know there's there's a time and a place for both types. So, um, can you guys give me some good examples of directive versus participative leadership? Because I think I think both are necessary sometimes, um, but you have to be a good leader to decide when those are necessary. So what are you differentiate between the two? Typically, I know most of the time when you, when you put on chief, you're more of an agnostic leadership position, right? Uh, at the, at the uh, section where I'm in, I still participate, right? So I'm still flying the lines. I'm still instructing. I'm still evaluating. And then um, as you progress on your career, maybe to an IG, you're not necessarily doing that. Uh, you're just more, more managing the, you know, the manning, the personnel, so dealing with issues for stuff like that. So mine for spe uh, um, specifically for um, it's more of uh, participation is I need to show the example that I am knowledgeable. Uh, I, I can complete the mission as well. Uh, and 
and I'm and I'm in in the fight with them as much as they are. And my expectations out of them is to do exactly and showing that I can do the things that they're they're required to do. Then directive, I still have to direct uh, individuals to complete complete their their part of their training uh, or uh, or lead other people or uh, any of those. Uh, directive type of requirements that are so I, I do participate in, in kind of both of those but really the mindset is at all the times so I, I heard chief, chief monk and chief officer talk about a little bit about being an example so that's the easy part about um, uh, uh, participating because if you're operating at the high level uh, with the most integrity possible that sends the message down and so when you are directing them they say okay this person has the legitimacy and the credibility uh, of being a leader. So I am going to follow that integrity as well. And it also goes to as far as, uh, for me as a supervisor, a uh, long time ago, now I am a supervisor of myself because I sit in here alone. Um, but when I was active duty and I would supervise multiple airmen, I found that giving them a voice and letting them be part of the process, I, I think that really helped them feel like wanted, helped them feel like they were part of the team, so to speak, you know, and I think that, I think that has a lot to say for a leader who can do that as well. Maybe you don't have the best ideas. Maybe having one of my younger airmen who can't get off TikTok and putting them in charge of social media is a better idea than having me be in charge of it, you know, just, just things like that. And it makes them feel like you're, they're, they're needed. And I know for me, when people do that to me, it makes me feel like I want to do more for that person too. You know, like they trust me to have those responsibilities. So, and me being the nine G, I don't um, directly be uh, involved with a lot of our airmen. I'm more involved, more so with our leaders, and so I have to make sure that in the nine G role, I do allow them to lead their people. Even when people are coming to me, I'm making sure that they go back and use a chain of command, and then come. You know, and I want to make sure that my leaders understand that. I am there for them just I just like I am there for the airmen. So, you know, when you've been on the base as long as I have, people kind of cling to you uh, because they know you. But I have to make sure that I give my leaders that part, that role to do what they're supposed to do. My advice might not always be the best advice, but, you know, I have to give them that opportunity to be a leadership in their role. So I have to know what my role is. And my role as the 9G is to make sure that my chiefs or my senior leaders are doing all that they need to do for their sections, and then come to me if they need that assistance or advice. And so, of course, Chief Loftus is part of my group, the maintenance support group, but um, Chief Hunter is a colleague, and so we all bounce off of each other. And so I think our airmen have to make sure that I'm doing that. I have to make sure that I'm doing that to train that to them so they don't skip over that one part and miss out on the leadership that they have right before them. Right. I mean, okay, and as far as colleagues go and, and learning from each other how to be leaders, I mean, we have a lot of opportunities from the time we're senior airmen to develop our leadership skills. Let's talk about ALS, NCOA, senior NCOA. Is there a um, school for chiefs to learn how to be a chief, you know? Yeah, well, literally just got back. And I'm going. Um, <laughs> in a couple of weeks, I'm going uh, to the chief orientation um, course. But I, I don't think that there is a, per se, you know, I think it's just going to that course is just going to be there to enhance what we already know. Um, there is only a, a few of us. We are the smallest of the smallest. Um, and so we got here because of our leadership ability. Um, 
our peers and our leaders, commanders, thought enough of us to put us in these chief positions. And so we're already here. So when we go to those courses, we're just enhancing what we already know. Now, those leadership courses, true enough, we've started, uh, what was it called, the professional development. I think, from what I understand, that was a very good course. I went one or two times and participated on the panel. And so I think our airmen learned a lot, a lot of things that they didn't know. It was open, so they could feel free to ask and do what, you know, ask what they wanted to do, ask. And so some of those things that were asked were kind of hard topics that they didn't want to talk about. Um, but it gave them a platform to do that. So with the ALS, uh, it's been a bit since I've been to ALS. <laughs> so, uh, I, but I think it's developed a little bit. I went to a graduation uh, last week, uh, so they're doing things a whole lot differently than when it was when I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, the graduation I went to was here on base, and so we had two individuals, one from the 188th, one from the 189th, that participated uh, in the course. Um, and I talked to the young lady, and she got a lot out of it uh, because she did. She went in residence, so I think going in residence. It's probably better for our airmen. Absolutely. Yes. I agree 100%. If you can go in residence, not only are you learning, um, but you're also networking. So absolutely, I agree. I'm a huge proponent for uh, in-residence communities. So between ALS and CO Academy, I was fortunate enough to go to uh, in-residence, and then senior CO had to go uh, by correspondence. But like you mentioned, you, you eliminate some of the distractions when you're there because you're participating, you're networking with individuals, and you're really getting some of that one-on-one uh, interaction with the instructors that are teaching some of those leadership skills that you're going to develop over time. And I tell my folks, a lot of people are kind of hesitant on, on doing in-residence or doing PME in, in general. They feel like it's a requirement. But there's always something that you can take that you from those courses that are going to implement not only in your professional career, but in your personal life as well. And it's really helping you deal with certain situations. So huge proponent of that. And uh, there's so many different courses that we weren't uh, educated on, kind of maybe not necessarily growing up uh, th- throughout our career. But there's so many that just hit every single area within your career and your personal life that can be affected. And then, like, uh, Chief Monk was talking about the professional development piece that the, the wing is doing with Chief Kraska and HRA. Great. I did get to sit on one panel. The interaction you got with, with the command chief and myself with the airmen and uh, young uh, NCOs was fantastic. Something that I did not get throughout my career. No. And it's super beneficial because it's like, okay, there's something I want to attain or something that will help me motivate myself to get better, whether it's professionally or personally, education-wise, both professionally and civilian, that I just wasn't getting that interaction. But I got that interaction through that through that course for them, and I did get the feedback from some of those airmen and NCOs like, hey, this is great. I really appreciate that conversation. And then it opens up that conversation like, hey, come to me later if you see me out, ask me a question, and I can say, hey, airmen so-and-so, how is the progression with some of the goals that you were talking about throughout that course? So huge advocate. That was a great Right. And so, you know, when you become a chief or a senior, everybody look at you, it's like, oh, you're untouchable. And so when you go to that course, when you went to that course, it was like that one-on-one. And it kind of brought back to the, uh, the point where we're all the same but different. And it made them kind of feel a little bit more comfortable in to talk to me uh, and to other chiefs because we're sitting there just having a casual conversation with them. We're not judging them. We're not... Uh, being upset about what they ask, we're open to their opinion, we're listening to what they have to say. Mm-hmm. And they're, they weren't trying to be politically correct. We weren't giving them a politically correct answer. We were just sitting there being open and having an open discussion. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. 
Yeah. I mean, that's hard to do sometimes when right. you're an A1C talking to a chief, you know. Correct. You kind of get intimidated. You you do, but you but giving them the environment and opportunity to um, to ask those questions that they otherwise would feel like they maybe have no right to ask or are afraid to or intimidated, Correct. like you said, that gives them a great opportunity for that. It also gives opportunities for mentorship, which I would I would think is an, a very important part of being a good leader is being available for mentorship for, you know, not just people that are in your own section, but somebody that you click with. You know, I I don't know if you guys grew up with mentors or if that was a thing when you were no, uh, airman. No, no, it, no, no. It wasn't a thing when I was airman no, either. I, no. I wasn't allowed to talk to chiefs, you know, unless no. I was in trouble or something. I was never in trouble. Um, but I think that was a really great point about uh, having mentors because I talked to some of my colleagues, whether it's uh, – in the service or outside the service, and they talk about their mentors. And they're, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm having dinner with my mentor, this, this, and that. I'm like, I never had that opportunity. I never had that opportunity. And I don't know if you did, Chief I, Loftus? I did during my Army days. Yeah. And so I had great senior NCO mentors in the Army Guard, mm-hmm. um, which reared me up. And uh, I contribute a lot of my success or where I am today to those guys that took me under their wing and, and taught me the right way. So I've developed a mentorship with some of the females here, but I, I've uh, adapted some of the, the young ladies here on the base and uh, started the mentorship luncheon thing that we have with them. We've done about three. And that's worked out really well because we just sit there and kind of do some fellowship, but we also talk about some of the challenges that they're having in their section. They're growing up to be supervisors. Um, and so we sit there and we talk about uh, problems that they might be having or um, challenges that they might be facing. So we've done that a couple of times, and so it's kind of grown, and I want it to grow even more so. Um, and so I have to make sure that when, when I do do the mentorship luncheon that I'm hearing what they're saying and giving them the good sound advice as best that I know how and have them apply it toward whatever uh, that they may do. And um, hopefully they can look back and say that Chief Monk was a mentor to me later on in life. I, I think so um, because they keep coming back. So that's a good thing. And so um, – like I, I talked to a couple of young men, they need some mentorship as well. It doesn't have to necessarily be a man, but there's a couple of uh, airmen and young um, young NCOs that I want to get together and just, just kind of have some mentorship with them. Because, you know, when, when you go out in the field, you can kind of see where there's a need, and there is a need for some mentorship around here. Um, and so I kind of piggyback off of that, and I kind of check the airmen out and just have that casual conversation with them. And then if they feel comfortable, then I do a calendar invite and kind of see where it goes from there. That's awesome. I didn't even know you did that. Yeah, That's I did. Really cool. I did, Jess. I'll have to invite you. <laughs> yeah, I would love to go. Yes, I have to invite great. you. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I liked when I I was stationed at PACOM, um, but I was with the Navy. So the Navy had a program where it wasn't so much like chief for a day. As a staff and tech sergeant, I was one of the lowest ranking people in the place where I worked. I worked with admirals and generals and colonels were the coffee runners, you know. So, so looking at me, I was somebody that needed mentorship, you know, me and a thousand other E5s and E6s. So the Navy had this program where, especially where we were at, um, where they would basically essentially assign us to like a master chief, which is the Navy equivalent to a chief master sergeant. Um, So we would literally 
follow them around and see what they did throughout the day. I mean, not just follow them around in their shadow, but we would talk to them. We would be part of their meetings. We would um, kind of get to see what was going on, what they did. Um, some of, some of them were senior chiefs because they, you know, there's not a lot of master chiefs running around. But but anybody who was in charge of like a, the equivalent to one of our groups or um, like a nine golf or something like that. Um, we just kind of got to see what they did and how they um, how they just went throughout their day. And I think the most important part of that wasn't to see what a chief's responsibility was, but to try to find a fit um, to, for a mentor, you know. And unfortunately, I never really found my mentor in that program, but I know a lot of people who did. And I think being innovative enough to find, to think of different ways to, to 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 pair people essentially, I think I you know you know I think that's something that we could always work on. So I like that you're doing that the luncheon, for example. Yeah, and I think Chief Rowe did that. Am I right? One time he took an airman and and, sh- and she shadowed him for the day. Oh, okay. Um, so and we I think anybody if you're listening to the podcast, if you want to do that, I'm pretty sure any chief is open to that, mm-hmm. having them shadow them for the day to just come and see because it is a different world. Um, so I think Chief Rowe did that once um, with one of our airmen, and like I'm, I'm just invited. I'm saying this to these chiefs: we can do that, right? Absolutely. Yes. So that's any, open. Any At least these Tuesday. three chiefs. Any day, but Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday's is Tuesday's is meeting day, but especially during drill when we were just extremely busy. So um, that would be good for, like I said, if they're listening to the podcast, if there's something that they're interested in, they can always reach out to their chief and their section. And it, if they don't want that particular chief, all of us, there's. Quite a few of us, about 16 or 17 of us, that's willing to do that for them. So. Nice. I think that's a fantastic idea. And that's one of the great parts about having a group like this, even here, is everybody had different perspectives from leadership and, and something that stuck with them, right? So you had your experience with uh, the Navy and saying, oh, okay, this, this thing can work. Same thing with you with the Army. You had some experience like, okay, and then we had experience. experience with we, didn't the Air Force. we didn't have anything. Right. But, <laughs> but it's not like it's stealing anything, no. right? Because right. We're, we're taking things and ideas that can work right here, and then we're saying, okay, now it's sparked it where, hey, this is something we can talk about and discuss and, and, and implement here at the Wayne Night. So that's a great yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I think having a good mentor or even a good supervisor, it, it, takes, it, it takes a place in, in your heart. I've had really good supervisors, and I've had really bad supervisors, and I've learned a lot from both, of, both totally. sides. My first supervisor, he was horrible. He was like this 10-year senior airman, not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you're bitter because of it, you know, it's it, he he hated being a supervisor. I was an airman basic, and I thought he hated me. You know, one time he threw a pair of scissors at me. Oh, my. You know, it, it was horrible. But right. then I had a supervisor who was wonderful, and she would, when we were working, she would get in there, and she would work with us. Like, like I process film from YouTube's. So we had to put our hands in fixer, developer, all these stinky photochemicals, you know, that if you don't have to, you don't want to, right? But my supervisor, Shelly, she actually ended up being, you know, a great supervisor because she's like, you know what, we're going to get this done faster if we have one extra set of hands. So as a master sergeant, she's in there elbows deep in fixer, scrubbing the insides of the machines, keeping them clean, helping us do our mission so we get it done faster and go home faster. And I was like, this is exactly what I want to be like because I remember how it made me feel. Yeah, I think if we all look back uh, either in our civilian time before we came in the military or 
our military time, our, our favorite supervisors or our favorite leaders were the ones that got down in the trenches with us. They helped us dig that foxhole, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you build that respect for them, and then you want to emulate it when you rise to that position. Yes. So you want to uh, the participating part of being a, a leader. Uh, there are times where you have to be directive in nature, like Chief was saying. Um, you know, I think that's all situational, and a good leader's able to move from from one to the other. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think that, too, um, moving from one situation to another, uh, I think as far as being a good mentor and being being excited about the influence you provide somebody, you also have to be responsible for mistakes. And if, you're, if you have an airman or a troop who, you know, is a good person, but they're not living up to their potential – maybe a little bit of self-reflection could help you decide what your next step would be right. with that person. Have you guys experienced anything like that before? What would you what would you suggest for people who are, you know, new supervisors and trying to figure out their airmen that way? I had an individual when I was in TMO and like I tell everybody, I worked hand on hand with the people down in TMO and transportation uh, up until I became the 9G. And so we were like connected, really connected really well because I worked directly with them. And there were a couple of individuals that should have been supervisors. And so I had to, um, things that you need to do as a supervisor. So I used to have them shadow me a little bit. Uh, when it came time for a drill, I stepped back and I let them lead. Now, when they didn't lead or didn't do what they were supposed to do, of course, they heard from me. Because at some point in time in your military career, you have to let things go. And I'm glad I did let some things go because now my section is running well. Um, because of the things that I allowed them to do. I allowed them to lead. I sit back, and at the end of the drill, we came in and had a session, and we talked about the the good, and we talked about the bad. Uh, Of course, there is not a perfect leader, but there are things that I can give you to make you a better leader, and that's because I learned firsthand from my experience because I did have those bad supervisors, the kind of supervisors that said, I said that I don't want to be like that. And so I learned from those supervisors, even though they were bad, I got good out of it. And so I put that on the airmen and and put them in positions to lead. And so when I did leave TMO after 20 years, I felt good about leaving because I felt that that they could carry on and they knew what was was required of them. And they've done well. Uh, Chief Loftus can attest that he's now the chief at LRS. um, So he works hand on hand with my section. And I feel good. I feel proud that that, that I left uh, a legacy down there. Uh, with them because they they learn and um, I didn't baby them I was hard on them at times but I was also nurturing um, and they learned from that and so those that that were shy and, and kind of got out of their shell we had to you have to learn because everybody's different so you can't treat one airman the same as you do the other you have to kind of you as a leader need to know your people so you need to know when you need to praise one and when you need to push back on one the one you need to push more and the one you need to pull back. And so, and I try to instill that with some of the young leaders now, um, that everybody's not the same. So you, you have to know your people. And the way you get to know your people, you got to sit down and have that conversation. You have to interact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that a lot. I fussed a lot, um, but I praised a lot too. And so I, I, as a result of that, I, I feel um, real fortunate that they are growing up to be the young men and women that they are uh, in the LRS section. That's what 
a given ownership is all about. Right. That's what a good leader does for their airmen, gives them ownership of those areas so that they can come up and, and continue your legacy yes. of what you've done there at TMO. Um, I would also add that, you know, being a good leader is, is um, being a humble leader. Uh, there's going to yeah. be times where not only I make mistakes, but the airmen under me make mistakes, and we need to answer to someone. Yes. Everybody answers. <laughs> right. So, uh, being a being a humble leader, being a humble airman, um, I think just grows us, you know, and helps us avoid those mistakes in the future, and just uh, keep marching on. And I think there's something to say for that too. Is if you have somebody that's looking up to you, if you make a mistake as a leader, and they see you own that mistake. Or even if they make a mistake and you cover, like, you have their top cover and you say, hey, that's my bad, you know, we will work better as a team next time to whoever you answer to, they see that too. And they, you know, that, that'll make them appreciate the situation and want to work harder for you. That's just been my experience. I'm sure there's people who could care less, but for the most part, that's not, that's not usually the case, you know. So seeing them seeing you own own up to a mistake or take responsibility for something, even if it's not quite your responsibility, it kind of is because you're in charge. That's when you say, hey, this is my responsibility. I'm owning up to it. And then you have shop meeting and say, this is how we can work better together. You know, I, I, I find that it makes it easier to say, this is our mistake, not yours. And Airmen's remember, they yeah. don't forget. They, don't, they don't forget. They don't forget. Yeah, very true. Um, and I know, like, it's hard to transition, too, from that leadership, uh, from being a peer to somebody and then going into uh, being their supervisor or uh, their leader. You know, me and me, Sergeant, uh, Chief Loftus were talking about that before you guys got here, how, you know, when I became a supervisor, my friends were now my troops, and I couldn't, I couldn't Correct. exactly hang out with them. I know you could touched on this a little bit when you were talking about your experience down in LRS and at least that's how what I got out of what you were saying Uh, Um, yes but it's hard it is hard I I I have some very good friends in LRS but every one of them will tell you that uh, Chief Monk will get me if I mess up Um, so and I think we I had a podcast not too long ago I think with you Mm -hmm. and we kind of touched on that and every board that I've been to um, when it's over and we open it up, they always want to know how do you differentiate between being a tech sergeant, becoming a master sergeant, now you're becoming somebody's supervisor. When you have friends, it's hard, um, but you have to draw that boundary. You have to know what your position is, mm-hmm. what, your, what role you have to play, and I think you have to address it head on because if you linger it, then you're going to have problems and you're going to have things you're going to have to answer to. So that has always been my approach, um, to always be friends but not be friends. Uh, you have to know when to supervise and, you know, uh, and know your role as a supervisor. And I think they respect you more when you do that because now you're not flip-flopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're being honest and being, being truthful and honest straight up um, and telling them straight up, you know, that they know where you're coming from. Nice. So I, I think if you put that principle in place from the start, you don't have to backtrack and then say, well, now, um, they call you the bad guy now. So, and, and I've done that a couple of times, you know. Um, it's like, and, and, and they always say, you changed. No, I haven't changed. I'm, <laughs> I'm still the same person. It's just that I'm in a different role. 
And so with, with different roles, require, there's different requirements. And so um, I have to be a leader, uh, and you have to learn from what I'm doing, and you just have to know my role, and you have to respect my role. Just like I have to respect you as a person, you have to respect me as a leader. And so I think once you get that established, um, if you establish it the right way, because there are some that get the rank and they get what we call the big head. So you, you, you have to be humble, like Chief Loftus has said before. You have to be humble about your position and, and don't take it to another level. Know your place and know your role and know what you're required to do. Yeah, I'm just going to continue to echo that, uh, what Chief Mark said. That, that was one of my challenges as well. Um, it's one day, and it's more specific to the Guard. You know, because yes. you're active duty, you're, you may get promoted and then you're PCSing out, right? That's exactly what S- me and Chief Lawson said. Yep. But the guard, like Chief Monk said, people don't forget. Yeah. So it, situations that you might have had as a peer with that individual, they remember, they, they remember that stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, But you have to establish that early. That was one of the challenges I had uh, when I was coming back because I, I did a stat tour and then came back to the section. But when I left, they remember me as – you know, Master Sergeant Jonathan Hunter, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now you're coming back as Chief Hunter. So, you know, even uh, you had to really establish that line, but also understand, like, hey, I'm still here for you. I still got your back. We can still crack jokes and stuff like that here. But there is a specific delineated line that I will right. not cross anymore because this is the position that I'm in, and I'm not only representing myself, but I'm representing all the uh, Chief Master Sergeants uh, of the Air Force. And so I definitely reach out to, yes. to, to Chief Monk uh, quite often uh, to just try to get an understanding. And I reach out to people that are similar in my situations. One of my good friends uh, up at the Minnesota Garden did the same thing, went on a stat tour, came back to the section, now he's a little master chief, called him immediately, hey, man, what did you do? Like, what are some of the challenges? So it's just really just communicating because you have just a different peer group as well now. Mm-hmm. But you, one eight nine has a fantastic uh, chief's group, I'm yes. telling you. We Fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I know in any time if I really needed to go to Chief Office and ask him a question about something leadership related or give him some advice, he would be there for it. And the same thing with Chief Monk or any other chiefs that we have. So that's one of the things is it's really reaching out to your new, new peers and trying to get some advice on those situations. But being clear, but also being flexible and agile not to say, hey, you know, we're friends. I, I, I really care about you, but these are some of the things that I cannot longer do and this how we discuss things. So. We have to remember that the guard, we are family. So we are so close. We grew up together. And so, and I always tell them, you know, I grew up with you, but now I'm off to college. So when I get <laughs> off to college, I'm different. And so, um, and, you know, you're still in high school. I'm in college, so I'm grown. And so, uh, and, and that's kind of how, you know, so the things are different. I've grown up and I've, I've grown out of the, col- the high school mode, and now I'm in the college mode. And then I'm going to be in the adult mode. And so uh, we're just so closely knit together. And so sometimes we don't get it when we, uh, get into leadership roles, and we have to kind of quit doing what we used to do and with who we used to do it with. But we're still there for you. But, but we right. have to make sure that we under make sure that they understand. I haven't forgot we got you because we know we go back. We remember our kids. We remember our weddings. We remember the parties we went to. We remember the fun we had. And we can still do all of that. It's just that I'm in a different role now as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so, and I want you to get to where I'm at. And so in order for you to do that, you need to Respect me um, and learn from me and learn what I'm trying to do uh, and respect what I'm trying to do. Right, right. I know it can be hard sometimes, but it's just something that's inevitably going to happen, especially, like you said, here in the Guard. Um, you know, we, me, Chief Loftus were talking, and 
before you guys got here, we were talking about how this this situation, and we're and I was like, you know, everybody either have known each other here since they were kids, their kids hang out, or they're related to each other yeah. somehow. <laughs> you know, they, so they know a friend of a friend. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So, so that makes it just a little bit more unique and harder here in the guard. And, um, so I know that's something that people probably struggle with a lot, you know? So, I mean, I'm sure if I spend more more time here, I'll get to that same point where I'm like, I know everybody here, you know, I'm, I'm starting to see this transition. I've only been here for five years, you know, so like you've been here longer, Jess. Oh, six. <laughs> I, I, I'm public math. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's been six years, but sometimes it does seem like longer. But maybe it's just because everybody likes me so much. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I've already started to see some of that transitioning stuff and um, people. Like when I got here, the the old, I call them the old guard people. Yes. They're gone or leaving now. You know, kind of makes me feel like I'm starting to 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 move into that category of I've known everybody for a really long time so but I once again work here all by myself so it makes it easier for me to just it's a cycle <laughs> it, it is it's it, a cycle. It, it is a cycle and when yeah. I got here there were the old people and now I've seen those they're cycling out and yep. so now I'm in that phase where pretty soon I'll be cycling out and then the airmen that I started with right um they were 18 years old when they started and now yep. they're going into their 20s and 30s and so, you know, it's a cycle, and it's a time and a place for everything. And so it's our time is coming. We're chiefs. Um, and so we're nearing the end of our career. We're not there, but we're nearing the end of our career. So we have to make sure that we're putting those leaders in place to carry on what we've put forth. Right. Well, all right, guys. I really appreciate you coming yes. out um, and having doing this podcast with me. I, I think you guys had a lot of really good points to make, and I really, really hope that people take something away from this. Um, and in the future, I'd love to do more stuff like this. You know, maybe we can take some of the broader points that we've we've stated mm-hmm. and hone in on those and make it more about a specific scenario or situation that could be, help somebody, you know. But I really appreciate you guys taking your time. I know you're busy. So thanks for coming out. We are Mission Ready Airmen, providing premier training to the C-130 and cyber enterprises, capitalizing on partnerships to support the state and defend the nation. Our vision is to be a diverse family of airmen, dedicated, adaptive, and empowered to lead.